0: Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV Podcast. For more information, go to www.TheVineChurchLV.com. How's everyone doing today? This is like a, a really like bitter... What? She's doing, woo. okay, I like heard someone go ham in particular, and I was like, what just happened? Uh, I appreciate it. You know, I'm all about it. Uh, I, I preach a lot better when people talk back to me, um, which I hope is not my parenting strategy, but we'll find out. Um, <laughs> uh, but I love you guys. I'm grateful for all of you, and we're going to be closing out our series called Daily. Can y'all say daily? Daily. Uh, this is bittersweet. I'm sad about it because uh, I really have been enjoying this. Um, I've also been really enjoying having my weeks already mapped out for me. That's been nice, a little less stress. Uh, but, but here we go, right back into it. Um, so what we've been talking about is the lifestyles that a Christian needs to live daily. And we've covered community, uh, that you cannot biblically say that you truly are a Christian born again who loves Jesus if you're not a part and attached to a community. Uh, Jesus made it perfectly clear in the garden, in the whole vine area, he makes it abundantly clear that we should be one as him and the Father are one. And some would argue that that doesn't necessarily mean we have to be in the building together, but I would say if you tell me I love you but I don't want to hang out with you, then you don't really love me. Amen? And so that there is absolutely a communal aspect to Christianity and it is unescapable. And actually, if you look in the book of Acts, it's Daily not weekly. Amen. And then we dove into awe and wonder. How really, if Christians really are to live the lifestyle that God has called us to, there needs to be a daily recognition of how big, how great, and how awesome our God is. Amen. Um, It is inescapable that if your God is above all things, beyond all things. You know, I used to get into a debate with a kid who said that God didn't make sense because how could He like because of dimensions and how dimensions work? And he was, we'd go back and forth and we would argue about, well, if God's above dimensions, like what about that? And I told him, uh, well, you got to think about if God dimensions then God's outside of dimensions, right? And for him, that was something his brain couldn't actually process. Um, but everything knows that what you create, you're outside of, right? Um, and so a supernatural is something that is above the natural, right? And so God is super, as in above, as in beyond natural nature, what we can understand. And when we begin to understand how big he is, it begins to shape our lives. And by the way, it also begins to shape our identities. Uh, Because if we understand that what he speaks, our reality conforms to, then we begin to understand that what he says about me, I begin to conform to. Amen. And then we also talked about how simplicity needs to be the lifestyle, the daily lifestyle of the Christian. Simplicity in the gospel message. Simplicity in just Jesus loves you, and that's actually it. Simplicity in I don't need other things. Because I have Jesus, why were the disciples and the apostles and the, why were they willing to give 90, sometimes 100% of their income to each other well, it was because they just needed to be simple. And they understood that Christ is enough for me. And there's something that we say a lot in this church that I don't think a lot of us truly believe, and that is Jesus plus nothing is the answer for my soul, right? And so if it's Jesus plus I have to have the right house and then I'm satisfied, then it's not Jesus that's sustaining you. Amen. And so simplicity is I don't need things. I need Jesus. And last but not least, the daily lifestyle of a Christian that we talked about in these past four weeks is praise and worship and prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, grandfather that one in. We talked about it on the first week, and we didn't talk about it enough last week. Uh, but, but prayer, talking and interacting with God. Uh, We learn that when we interact with God, we begin to see him clearly. We begin to see his plan for us clearly. We begin to recognize how small we are and how big he is. We begin to recognize then that means that if he's that big, then my problems are that frail in the face of of him. Amen. And the thing I have uh, kind of been one of the coined terms of this entire talk, this entire series has been um, do all these things. Daily. Um, not every other day, <laughs> right? Not weekly. And so what we really did as a church is I had no intentions on teaching you guys anything new. And that includes this week. Right? I had every intention on running the basics. Um Hoyce Gracie is a uh like a mega black belt. Uh, I don't remember all the rules, but it's a story my father would tell us a lot. Uh that he's a MA, he's a martial artist that he knows. Um, a certain art style of karate, of, uh, <laughs> of martial arts, of jiu-jitsu. And, uh, and the world champion went and fought against him, and this guy is old, right? And the world, no one filmed it, and no one was there, and no one knew. And the world champion came out, this young dude who's been killing the game, who's, been, who's on top of his field, said, when we wrestled, I didn't beat him once, and every time he beat me on the basics. And the whole point was, is that this, this guy who was the master of his craft, was untouchable because he had mastered the basics of what he was doing, right? And so for Christians, it's a lot less important about what your eschatology is. It's a lot less important about your view on the four spiritual laws. It's a lot less important of your understanding of Calvinism or classic Armenianism. That stuff doesn't really matter in the face of what are you doing daily for God. I don't care what you think about election. Do you think that person needs to get prayed for? Regardless. Amen. And so daily is the thing that takes us. Again, it's simple. I don't mind studying those things. I have an opinion on all of them. Uh, But but that's not what's going to change lives. It's not what's going to change a city. And honestly, those of you in the room, it won't change your life at all either. You know, it'll just give you a deeper understanding of God, which some would say would change your life. But a lot of times it turns into argument. It turns into my theologian can beat up your theologian. And the second we are distant from each other because of our theologies, then we failed because Jesus says to be consecrated and be holy before me. And holy is one and unified. And so when we're fighting and breaking apart over our doctrines, then we're not consecrated before God. And so I don't care what you think. I've listened. I've been paying attention to some big name speakers and I've been watching as they talk. And last night I listened to an, a sermon on why abortion is wrong. And it was actually a really, really good message. It was a fire and it was a powerful message. And what the guy kept doing every 10 minutes in his talk is he would bash another pastor. And, and it was pulling me out because I was like, dude, you don't love people. You're a clinging gong. You're a clinging symbol. You don't love the people you're speaking to. You're about them recognizing that your way is better than their way. And the problem is it's only his way that's better than our way, and we're all in process. But the problem is we lost the simplicity in the name of being right. And the, another thing is I, the, the guy has thousands of viewers, and many of you, I won't say his name because I won't disrespect him. Many of you guys I know for a fact listen to him. And be careful who you listen to. If a big area of their platform is this person sucks, get off their platform. Don't elevate it because they need to humble for a season and they need to go before their God and ask, why am I so adamant to attack a brother in Christ? Amen? But, but this is daily. See, in the name of knowing, in the name of studying, he lost simplicity. Amen? And, and I think we can all do that. And I think uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of stalling, but I'm kind of not at the same time because uh, we're going to go into... A topic. I would say for, for four weeks, we've talked on daily, and for the two weeks before that, uh, we talked on Easter, <laughs> and we talked on Good Friday. And these last six weeks have been incredibly encouraging. They've been incredibly—see, it's, it's, it's easy to be encouraged in a message on community, because what did I preach? People love you. It's easy to be encouraged on a message on awe and wonder, because what did I tell people? God's bigger than your problem. It's easy— To preach a message and to get excited about a message on simplicity, because what am I telling you? Look, no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is enough for you. And so it's saying that Jesus is going to make a way for you and that you're saved no matter what you do tomorrow. Amen? And and so that's easy to amen. And then we talked on praise and worship, and we talked about how big our God is and how worthy he is of praise. And and of course, we're going to shout and of course, we're going to be excited in this place. Uh, But this week, we're talking about evangelism. And. That's only encouraging if you're doing it. If you're not doing it, this message is offensive. And I have no intentions on offending you, but I will today. Amen? Know that this is something I would tell the young adults a lot. Because I used to come in heavy-handed for the sake of being heavy-handed. I used to tell them, remember that I love you. <laughs> um, because when Jesus said, if you don't feed the least of these, you didn't feed me. We quote that, but then he, what's the next part of that phrase? He said, so be gone from me, I never knew you. Um, Those of you who don't evangelize, Jesus is very clear that it is a lack of salvation that would hold you back from wanting to give to the other people because as a byproduct of the Holy Spirit, something has to flow out. And if nothing flows out, it means you're not being filled with anything. But what Christian can say, I'm not filled by God. Amen. Now, I'm not in here telling you that if you haven't been evangelizing recently, if you haven't been going through a rough period, that if if you're struggling, that that means you're far from God. No, what I'm saying is, do you at least have a fire for the people who are lost? Because we can say yes long enough, but eventually something has to change. Jesus looked... And he's walking and it says that he's preaching from village to village and he's talking to people. And it says that he, he turns around and he sees and it says he has compassion because people were following him from city to city. And it says he had compassion upon them for he saw them as sheep with no shepherd. He saw that the people that God had called to lead weren't leading. And Jesus says the harvest is white but the workers are few. And people, I've been in church long enough to know that what's everyone praying for? Harvest. God, I want a harvest season. God, I want you to bless me. But he says the harvest is here. The problem is no one's doing anything about it. And so the answer to harvest isn't to ask for harvest because Jesus said it's here. The answer to harvest is to grab your sickle and go into the field. And when Jesus says, I'm sending my paracletos, I'm sending, I'm sending another like me to fill you and indwell you. He says that you will cast out demons and you will cleanse leopards and you will preach the gospel far and wide. The Holy Spirit came so you would tell others about Jesus. And if you're saying, I don't feel God in my life, I want to let you know that means you're not out with the people because that's where God is. He didn't fill us so we could fill a room. He filled us so we could fill a city. Amen? This is the place to get together. This is the place to get excited. This is the place to get set on fire. But you can't stay here. This can't be the peak of your week. It has to be the thing that fills you up so you can go back out for six days. We've talked about it for years. But this is why I'm saying this is an offensive message. Because this Saturday we had an outreach. And this Saturday six people showed up. And that, that, that's not okay. Fair enough. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, forward slash, Divine Shirts LV. Um, and I want you to know that maybe I'm a little more on fire than normal for this message. It's because I was not one of those six people. And I was I was in my house on Saturday, and I I looked, actually I was at Violina's birthday party, and Will was there, and I looked to Will, and I said, uh, Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it tomorrow. I have to write my sermon. And teacher, when did I write my sermon? Like 7 o'clock at night last night. Um, the outreach ended at 10 a.m. Um, my sermon changed. I had something else. And then uh, and I'm sitting in my room and I'm sitting at my house while I know everyone's getting ready for evangelism. And I'm sitting in what I like to call my shower bath, trademark. Um, <laughs> yeah, and now you all have that mental image and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, you're, just, you're just on this ride with me now, so you might as well just buckle up because here we are. Um, and, I'm, and I'm in my shower bath, trademark. And I am sitting there and I'm preparing my message. Y'all, I'm basically in a sauna. Y'all, it's fire. It's the most comfortable place in the entirety of my house. Shower bath, trademark. Right. And 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 I'm sitting there and I'm getting my message together while the while while some of our people are out with the homeless and the needy. And I'm and I'm preparing how to talk to you guys about evangelism. Right. While there is an opportunity that I'm not taking. And I'm sitting there and thinking, all right, so how am I going to preach this? What am I going to say? What am I going to do? And I hear three words from God. And for the record, I don't mean I heard an audible voice split the heavens. There's just something in me. You know, um, you, you know, Christians say I heard from God today and like 90% of the time you felt something like, be honest, you freak people out cause you're not saying it how it is. Um, but I really felt three words resonate in me and here's the first word, how second word dare and the third word you. And see, now I'm preaching to me. Y'all can come on board, but this is my sermon, <laughs> right? I spent six weeks now preaching to all y'all. I'm gonna talk to me now. You guys can come on board uh, or not, but it's going to be fire cause I talk to me, um, and I, and I hear that, and I sit back, and I'm like, well, that could mean anything, um, because that's what we do. Um, how dare I what? Is the shower not hot enough? Not enough steam. I get it, God. Um, in my shower bath, trademark. Um, <laughs> and and, and I, I go on Facebook because, let's face it, I was, like, studying, you know, um, y'all laugh cuz you all study a lot. And uh <laughs> um and and I'm in the shower bath trademark. Uh, I, can, I I'm going to say it the whole time cuz you guys cannot have that's my right. Um you guys can do it, you just can't talk about it. Um, and I go on Facebook and there is a sermon there's a uh an article and it says uh, I think it's called like satanic lullaby? Satan's lullaby. And uh that by the way, excellent clickbait title, because I clicked real quick. I didn't even think about it. I was like, "That sounds like something I want to check out." Um, and it began to talk about a a couple in another country, uh, in a Muslim country, and the name of the country weren't given because they're actually out there and they could be killed if their story is told. And, um, and 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 every day they get up and go. It's a couple, and every day they get up and they pray together for four hours and they split separate ways. And the woman and the husband, the husband and the wife look at each other, and they say goodbye for what could be the last time they ever see each other. Um, Because they know that if she gets caught, she will definitely be raped, and then she will probably be murdered, but if she doesn't, she'll be someone's concubine the rest of her life, and they know that he is gonna have a slow, terrible torture, and then he's gonna die at the end of it. If one of them gets caught for what they're doing, and this church is thriving, and this church is growing, uh, but uh, due to certain reasons that they don't get into in the article, they had to come back to America for a little bit. And in America, the wife began to cry every day to her husband and say, we have to go back. We have to go back. I feel I feel my faith and I feel my passion for God is draining here. I want to go, go back. And so what, what happens in this article is this couple were, were came to the culture that everyone says, like this is it, Western culture, a culture that's foundation is Christianity, and we're shifting now, but the only reason why this country is shifting is because the Christians aren't on fire anymore, and there's no heart for the people and the broken, because let's face it, we have social media, and if you scroll through your newsfeed, the first five posts, you're gonna see four of them are gonna be about people in need, how bad people's lives suck, and honestly, empathy dies really quick. But if I can be even more honest, I think, I think my apathy has beginning to wear me out. I'm tired of being apathetic to those in need, and I'm tired of, of seeing what's happening, and I hear it story after story. If you look at people who go and preach the gospel in countries where they can die, they always come back to America and say, this is worse, because it's complacent. I heard a story of a man in Africa who had his legs drilled into the top of a post in his in his house for believing in Jesus, and he managed to survive the equation. He managed to flee to America, and he had a conversation with a pastor, and he says, I actually, I have to go back. It's harder here to be a Christian than it is there. In those stories, if you look into them, it's again, and it's again, and it's again. Why? Because they have nothing. They just need God. But here it's wisdom to ignore church, to have a better job, and here it's wisdom to leave behind this family to better take care of a different family, and out here in America, it's wisdom to take care, because after all, you gotta take care of yourself, because you don't wanna not be happy, and that's the problem, is I think most people begin to cross the line to true Christianity, but right in the middle of that line, there's a dead zone, where you have to push when you don't feel anything, and most people don't wanna go through it, and so they turn back to complacency. I'm gonna put that article in my uh, i 'm going to post it today after church Christina also posted it she uh, she killed the she killed the whole thing I was setting up uh, but it 's okay God is good and uh, but i 'm going to post it, and I really want to encourage you guys to read it um, because in my shower bath trademark i was I was actually weeping, and i don 't mean like the the cute cries like in Hollywood that you look good, but it 's obvious that you 're sad I mean like ugly ugly crying you know. Um, because I realized the lullaby had lulled me to sleep, and when I got there and I saw six people, and then I was seven because I was late, but I was there. Um, I got up, I had soap in my hair. <laughs> Still, I just put a hat on and I was like, "All oh right, God, let's just let's see what's gonna happen." Toss my vine shirt shirt on, put some pants on, and I left. Um, and I was there, and, and, and there was opportunity, and there was ways to unify, and then things that already happened to set us up to actually be out there weekly and not just monthly, and to not just be a part of a once-a-month handing of food, but to be a part of a church service out there. Um, all it takes is a little bit of humility. There's a pastor who's been out there for a year, once a week, for an entire year in two weeks. And uh, there were people that when we would go to the homeless outreach, that they would be... They'd come and they'd tell us about their gangs and they would be all rough and they would be, you know, they, they would take care of us because, you know, that's, that's how... Homeless work, if you're feeding them, they're going to cover you because they want you to keep feeding them, right? So these guys, all tough, all hard, would come with their gang and say, we got your back, Vine Church, you know, things like that, and let them know that they're part of a gang and that if anyone messes with us, they'll mess them up because they want us to keep feeding them and those guys, and we show up, and two of them open the door and button-ups with a smile on their face on no posse and say, hey, thank you so much for coming out here today with a smile. There was no, There was no more of that talk. And I was like, what happened? Oh, we've been attending the church that meets here once a week, and we're deacons now. And we've been going out there for years, and not one person's changed. And so I think the lack of seeing people change turned into our own personal lullaby here in this church. And so me and Elder John went to the pastor and said, we don't want to run this service. We want to help you. How can we be a part of what you're doing? And so there's a door open, and we'll be there. Because originally he says, just come and do a, uh, just do a Bible study once a week. And it's like, well, here's the thing. The Spanish church meets here once a week. And if I find out they were holding a Bible study for you guys, I would say, okay, that's out of order. And, and this guy has deacons and people that are changing. So I'm not going to come in and teach his people. I'm going to help him teach his people, right? All we got to do is humble ourselves a little bit and recognize that maybe someone's doing it better. So we're going to just help them out. Amen? And so just so you know, there's going to be a door, there's going to be an opportunity for us to take, but we have to take it. We can't be tired and we can't be weary in doing well. Because when we went and we handed them a coat, the verse kept coming back to my mind, as you do for the least of these, so you do for me. Um, and and. Most of you in the room, not all of you, and by the way, if this this Latinx part doesn't fit you, don't worry about it. I am dealing with the churches for a moment, have been a part of this church, many of you for several years, most of you several months. And though there's a process of salvation and there's a process of following God, uh, there are certain things that are not only daily, but they're a byproduct of the Holy Spirit in you. And I want to wake that up. And like I said, I I, I don't want to be offensive for offensive sake, but (laughs) there were six people there, so the rest of y'all, and it's like, well, I just missed one. Did you miss one? Or has it been several, several ones? Will I evangelize everywhere I go? No. I can look at us and see that we're not growing, so we're not evangelizing, you know? The statistics as of last year said one in every ten people would say yes if a stranger asked them to come into church. That means statistically, if you count since the last time you had someone come to church, it's been that long since you've talked to a total of ten people about Jesus probably. Not necessarily, but statistically. But this is a daily thing. Again, community, oh, amen, hallelujah. Simplicity, oh, amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah on wonder worship hallelujah evangelism wait a second you're being legalistic but it's the same message it's the same series it's the same daily if you talk to one person a week statistics says that once in every two week period you'd have a new person in this room just one person sorry one person a day if you talk to one person a day statistically you'd have a new person at least once in a two week period but I don't want you just to bring people to church. I want you to change their lives because it's not my place to change your friends' lives. It's God's place for one, but it's for you to care. Amen. We've got to shake a little bit. We've got to shake the foundations just a little bit. And so we'll dive in with 20 minutes left to our sections of scripture daily. We'll read this series verse just for the sake of it. Uh, Because this is the last time we're going to read it. I hope you guys have it memorized by now. Uh, But let's face it, I don't even have it memorized by now. Uh, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Can I get an amen to that? Every day. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Can I get an amen on that? Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. We won't do amen yet. We'll go to the next one. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had. Thank you. <laughs> as everyone had need. Not want. Well, I know God has blessed me when I have a Lamborghini, but you don't, you don't need a Lamborghini. Okay, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart every day. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church and the Lord added to the church and the Lord added added to the church those who are being saved. Leave that up for just one second. So, people are being added to the church daily. The Lord is adding people to the church daily by putting favor upon the people, right? Well, how do I walk in the favor of God? Four quick, simple steps. Take these notes. You might not have ever heard this before. This is one of those things that people don't talk about very often. Four ways to have favor one, get involved in the community, two, get an on wonder with God, three, live a simple gospel, and four, walk in praise and worship before God every day. See, I pulled a sneaky on you guys. Uh, <laughs> those four things equal favor consistently with God. Because people getting added to the church is because of God's sovereignty. And favor is actually a lifestyle that people live. So this is an absolute situation where God's perfect sovereignty meets man's free will. Right? And in that place of men walking with God in favor, evangelism naturally happens. And not only that, people naturally get saved. Amen? The Great Commission is like the number one verse section of scripture to go to when you think, okay, I need to evangelize. Do I need to evangelize? Is that really true? The Great Commission, Uh, until the ends of the earth. Have we reached the ends of the earth yet? No, we have not. Are there people in our city still in need? Yes, there are. So let's not even go to the state yet. Uh, We have a city to deal with. We have a city to change. We have lives to change, right? In the power of Jesus, I love the way Stephen Furtick says it. I don't like Stephen Furtick, though, but this quote's fire. Uh, The way Stephen Furtick says it, I'm not saying I don't like Stephen Furtick. I'm saying some people say that people say that uh, my, my head voice wasn't high enough to do the change. Um, but he says, uh, we're not waiting for a move of God. We are a move of God. And that's actually fire because we're saying, God, I can't wait for you to come and take the city. And it's like, w- well, he's anointed us. Let's go take the city. But the principality principalities, uh, Shh, let's go take the city. But the devil in my bank account, let's let's go take the city. But my job and my okay. But let's let's go take the city. But but I gotta have family time. Yeah, I agree. But let's let's go take the city. Um, let's do biblical definition of family, not our comfortable level of. Christianity right okay but wait you don't expect us to go out and preach every day do you the series is called daily and so we're gonna go daily because God is good and that's what he's calling us to do and by the way I snuck it on all y'all because I've been having you shouting and praising and being like yeah daily this whole series we're about it and then boom we got our message the one that I had to like build equity for, so it's like, like, oh Jesus, look at the fluff and like the evangelize, and it's like, oh crap, we we don't have to do that. You're being, you're being crazy, right? That's just certain types of Christians, just the ones filled with the Holy Spirit. The other types of Christians don't have to evangelize, um, <laughs> praising God and having favor, and the Lord added to the church. Amen. I actually wasn't looking for that one, but that worked. Uh, those who were being saved. Now, here, here's the thing. Um, we're here right now, and it's because this, is, this isn't this offensive. This this can be offensive. And some of you are like, oh, it's not that offensive. It's probably because you have no intentions of evangelizing, so you're just in one ear out the other. Um, if you haven't been evangelizing and you're not offended by this message, you probably already decided you're not going to do it. There we go. I just offended you too. Let's go. Let's go on the ride together. Amen? Uh, But I'm going to do this one more time during this message, and I'm not going to do it probably for several, several weeks. Uh, But I want to shake something out of you, and there's a complacency. I can feel it. Just a fight back. I feel it. I love you all. Don't forget that, but I feel it. So do a praise break. God is good even when you have to evangelize. Amen? (laughs) Okay, so I want to show you a story in the Bible for these last 15 minutes and 41 seconds, give or take. I mean, I have the mic, right? If it went another 30 minutes, you guys just have to leave, but I wouldn't stop. Um, But we'll we'll shoot for 15. We'll shoot for 15. Um, There is an example in the Bible of a story where Paul and Silas, in community, in on wonder, in worship, and in simplicity, bring an entire family unto salvation. So for me, a big goal today is I want to talk about a section of scripture where we see the favor of God as applied by the four rules of favor we've talked about led to a family being saved. And I want to show you guys evangelism from that perspective. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 16. You don't have to flick there yet, but he's there. So we'll just sit there for a second. You're good. You're good. You can leave it. Uh, the reason why I do have to go there yet is because uh, Paul and Silas are in a city. And they're walking, and they're preaching the gospel, and there is just an annoying person just following them, right? And, and like, what she's shouting is good, (laughs) you know? What she's shouting isn't bad, uh, but because of it, she's being tied with them, and they're like, oh, she's with them. And when a crazy demon lady is, like, panicking with you, it's not good to look like you're with her, you know? And so she's following them saying, hey, these guys are trying to preach to you about the one true king. Because even demons know Jesus is God. It's a lifestyle change that happens when you get saved. It's a daily thing. One might be compelled to preach a five-week series on it. And um, <laughs> he did it again. Um, and they're shouting, she, they're following Jesus. And people are like, oh, gee, Christians are weird. Look at her. <laughs> you know? And so Paul's getting mad. Right, Because here's the thing, though we should be a little crazy and we should be spirit-filled and we should let God move, we also have to walk in decency and order. And so the enemy couldn't attack their message, so we attacked the view on their message. right? And now Paul's getting annoyed. It's an understatement. Paul had an anger problem. He's actually not a fourth member of the Trinity. He's actually a sinful man like the rest of us. And so Paul sins sometimes in the Bible. And this is one of those situations that says he was greatly annoyed. Y'all. I've been there. Like, I'm looking at that verse, and I'm like, my man, like, I can. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Like, I'm, I'm tracking with you. And, and, and greatly annoyed, right? It's just fire. Have you ever tried to herd cats? They said it was sheep. But now that I've been a pastor, it's more cat-like in, in, the, in the actual shepherding. And, and, and they, Paul turns and says, in the name of Jesus, go. I'm not, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and God didn't say no because he was mad. God said yes because he's filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Well, maybe when I act better for a few days, then God can use me. God will use you right then and there. you got to embrace it, (laughs) amen? Embrace the fact that you're anointed by God, and that's it. All right, that's simplicity, though. We already talked about that. And so the demon gets cast out, and she runs back to her masters who are making money because of her fortune telling, and now they're also pissed. Right, so now everyone, everyone's mad in the situation now, which always makes for great times. Um, this can't go wrong at all. Well, Paul and Silas get drugged before court. Uh, people are so mad and frustrated because what are they saying? This Jesus thing is affecting our finances. How many of us have skipped Jesus moments because it would affect our finances? Okay, um, And and, and so they get thrown before the court, and people are like, they're going to take over. They're making us do things that are unlawful, and this dude gets mad, and he rips his clothes off because that's what I do when I'm mad. And, um, like, I'm telling you, everyone's mad here. Like, I read that in the Bible. Like, he ripped out part of his beard. I'm like, I've never been that mad. Uh, Then again, I've never had a beard I could rip out, but I've never been gone for it, you know? And, And, like, they threw ashes on their head. I'm like, I don't even have ashes around to throw on my head just in case I get mad, like they went and grabbed grandma and they're like, whoosh, but they get mad. And um, oh my gosh, why do you do that? Uh, cause I got to lighten it up a little bit. We're, cause we're about to go real deep. And so we gotta, we gotta take it off a little bit. Um, and they get thrown in prison after getting beat, after getting whipped, bloody, after getting flogged, they get shackled and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews, Uh, exceedingly trouble our city. What do they do? Well, they cast out a demon. Y'all, <laughs> never mind. It's his own sermon, and I would go on that tangent. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, like Paul, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Y'all say, bad day. Yeah, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But y'all say but, <laughs> but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Uh, can I can I pause really quick? This is something that I this It does not translate well into where we 're at, and here 's what it is: sometimes your worst day is actually a setup by God to put you in one of your best days. But if you fall apart in the season, you won 't see what God was using it for. I want to tell you a story I got permission to tell it uh, from Mark Prince. Right, uh, Many of you know he used to be an elder here and he stepped down. And when he, ste- he stepped down because there were, there were legal things going on in his life. Uh, I did get permission to tell the story, by the way. Um, legal things going on in his life and, uh, and he, he got actually thrown in jail over them. They were bogus things that got brought up years and years later on him. And when he was in the jail cell, the, the, the jail was overcrowded. And in its overcrowding, there were multiple people in a two-man cell. And there was a man in the be- on the bed who was detoxing off of heroin. And I want to tell you that if you got thrown in prison based off of something that wasn't fair, and you got put in an overcrowded jail cell, that's not your fault. And you're getting mistreated and you're getting mishurt. It's hard to see what God wants to use this for. But Mark walks up to a man on his jail cell bed who's detoxing and says, what's going on? And the man begins to tell him that he's coming off of, off of heroin and the, there's pain and there's suffering in it. And then Mark says, well, I know Jesus. Can I pray for you and you'll have peace? Amen? And the man says, I'll, I'll receive Jesus if he takes this pain away. And Mark prayed for him and he got healed and fell asleep on the spot. Which wouldn't have happened if he saw his jail situation as an attack from the enemy, instead of seeing his jail situation as a setup to bring a heroin addict to Jesus who wouldn't have seen Jesus otherwise. And so, Paul, though he started off greatly annoyed, he began to shake his head up a little bit. He began to pray and worship because what did I tell you guys? When things are going wrong, you don't know what to do, what do you do? You worship. He's mad. He's agitated. The Bible says so. He's angry. And he's not in the right state of mind. And so he worships to clear his brain. People get mad at me sometimes when i have having a rough day. I say, go worship. Well, I want you to go worship. And like really worship. Amen? Singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. One more side note. You don't know who's watching you. I heard a story of a man who was... Working a lot, and he just had a kid, and his kid was just starting to talk. And he goes to his wife, and they've been they've been having issues, and they were kind of headbutting. And the man flipped on his wife and looked at her, and he told the story personally, and he said, "You know what? I hate you. I hate you. I hate you." To his wife, he got mad and he snapped, and he left. And he came home later, and he heard sounds in his son's room, and he goes to the door and listens in, and he hears his son saying, "I hate you." I hate you, I hate you, in the same inflection as him. And he realized that he had altered his son's life in a way that he could never change back. You don't know who's watching and you don't know who's listening. I've heard a story of a man who walked outside of his house and every day on his way to work, he would drop into a bar, get absolutely plastered and go to work. And he did it day in and day out. And one day when he's walking to the bar, he goes in, but he realized he was late to work. So he ran out before he finished getting his daily dose. And as he turned, he looked and he saw his son had snuck out of the house behind him. It was snowy and his son was hopping in his footsteps. To the bar. And he realized that if I continue down this path, I'm going to lead him wrong. I use two stories of children. But listen, you don't know when your coworkers are watching you. You claim you're a Christian. You got to act like it daily. It's important. It's more important that they see you as Christian than that we see you as Christian. Right? You don't know who's watching. And Paul didn't know who was watching. And neither did Silas. They knew one thing. I'm having a bad day. I'm just going to worship. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, as happens when you worship. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. Hallelujah. That's, that's also its own sermon. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. It's almost like this is the gospel. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors opening, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword And was about to kill himself. Another bad day. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. For we are all here. Oh, how do you get a bunch of prisoners to hang back? I don't know, but he did it. Uh, maybe, maybe if you make the entire foundations of the building, you're in shake. Maybe they'll listen. I don't know. Never done it. Uh, then he called for a light, ran in and fell. which, by the way, could be a cool parenting technique if it worked like that. And he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household." Amen. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. Amen. Again, we're just gonna rush through this. And he took them to the same hour, uh, and he took them the same hour of the night, and he washed their stripes immediately. And he and his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set foot before them, food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Is that the last verse? Can I get an amen? You can just turn that off. I'm going to ignore it. Um, but I'm going <laughs> to close this. This one's going to go a little long. I apologize. But, like, not a lot. You know? Like, like I don't know. No, no. It's going to go long. I just don't a lot apologize. I'm just kidding. Um, Paul and Silas, step one, Community. They're together, right? And this evangelistic situation begins to unfold because they were communal. They were together. Now, guys, just because you're not with someone when you're evangelizing doesn't mean you're not communal. You can see God in Jesus Paul, that's his name, you can see Paul many times in his epistles say, and I know you're praying for me, and I'm grateful that you're praying for me, and I thank you for your prayers, and you were exceedingly in my prayers, that just because they weren't together didn't mean that they weren't a community, right? And it was the community that keeps us strong. Paul, Peter, sorry, Peter and John get flogged and whipped, that verse I love to quote. They run out thanking God for the honor of being whipped for him and they went to all the apostles, they told their story, and they said, now pray that we'd be bold. I thought you already were bold. I I can't keep this up, unless you guys keep this up with me. Community. Now how did Paul, now in this situation, we never see Silas getting mad. We never see Silas getting upset. Maybe, Maybe it's possible that Silas began to worship first. I don't know. But it's possible that Paul handled the situation well because he was in a community with someone who handled the situation well, right? But I can say for a fact that this entire jail cell of people handled this situation well because they're with two men who handled the situation well. You have to know that community is important to evangelism. And those of us who haven't surrendered to community will never properly evangelize because evangelism isn't, hey, you're saved now. Evangelism is, hey, let's go get discipled. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. I prayed for my coworker, and he received Jesus. Where is he? Oh, he, he doesn't believe in church. Keep praying for him because <laughs> it's time for him to, like, receive Jesus, you know? And, and, then, and then Paul and Silas began to do week four, right, from community led to worship in the midst of our storm, in the midst of what he was going through. He kept his focus on God like I said many times when you go through a bad situation I wanna encourage you to perk up and look at who you're about to change right I want you to look at Jesus and say God I'm gonna hold you first and watches other people get changed around you because what came out of their worship was awe and wonder. What came out of their worship was an earthquake. And what came out of their worship was a building being shaken to its foundation. And what came out of worship was people trembling, the Bible says, and falling down in fear of God. What's that? That's awe and wonder. So from Paul and Silas's miracle, their awe and wonder came more people in awe and wonder of God. So community worship and awe and wonder led to simplicity. If you're in a third world country and God shakes your jail cells open, what's the first thing you do? Be honest with yourself. You run. But in the third world country, when prisoners get set loose, a jailer gets killed. And most of us knowing that would still run. Remember when we talked about simplicity? In the midst of, oh, my God, there's an earthquake. Oh, my God, there's a ton of people. Oh, my God, this is, God, what do you want me to do? In the midst of all of that, there was one person who would die for this. And so what's the simple answer? Stay for him. Right? The answer is simple, but if we're in it, we wouldn't take the simple answer. (laughs) Right? If we're being honest with ourselves, that's why I say it's important to keep your eye on simple. Because there's only two rules to simplicity love God most and love the people around you more than yourself. I love God most, he set me free. I love me more, I'm gonna run. No, I love God most, he set me free. I love that guy more, I'm gonna stay anyway so he can see Jesus. Amen? And what we see is from the simplicity of the gospel see, the question seemed complicated, but the answer was simple. From the simplicity of the gospel, this man falls to his knees, trembling. And says, "Tell me about this God." and he takes him to his home. What's he doing? Community. And he was trembling. Remember? what's he doing? On oh, wonder and, and And he takes Paul and Silas and he sets them down, and he cleans their wounds. See, the reason why I say the gospel is simple is you don't actually have to see Jesus do something to know you should do it. And the reason that's weird, but if you look at the New Testament church, the book of Acts, they didn't have the Bible. But they followed the Bible. Because it's simpler than we think. This jailer had no idea Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And yet when this, deci- when this jailer found Jesus, the first thing he did was wash somebody else. It wasn't, oh, I have to learn. I have to walk into this. I have to, I have, oh, I'm I'm not there in my salvation yet. No, it was the first day of his salvation. He looked like Jesus. It's simple. And the Bible says that he, what? He rejoiced with them. Worship. And then he brings Paul to his family and says, teach them the message. Evangelism. And so within the first night Of his salvation. He'd already walked through the five steps of daily. Because guys. It's daily. The fruit of the spirit is love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. Against these things. There is no law. We don't act like that. Because we know we're supposed to act like that. We act like that. Because it's something that grows off the Holy Spirit that's inside of me, I naturally become what I'm filled with, right? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart means soul. So from the abundance of my soul interacting with the spirit, I speak love. From the abundance of my soul interacting with my spirit, I speak joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's simple because it's not really on you. It's on God to fill you. Most times when we do something against God, let's be honest, we knew not to. It wasn't some big surprise. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, I didn't even know that was a sin. We knew not to. Why did we know not to? You didn't need a verse because you already met the God and something in you said, mm, this isn't right. And James says, if you know something to be sin and you do it, if you know you know not to do something, you do it anyway, that there is sin to you. And it begins to harden us. And we begin to not recognize God for who he really is. And what happens? Satan begins to sing a lullaby. And the church goes back to sleep. And the city does not get changed. And people on drugs stay on their drugs. And the abortion mills keep getting fuller because there's no one there speaking love. And the orphanages keep filling up. Because there's no one there to preach God and the the legislation begins to attack Christianity and begins to attack free speech and free will because those things are from God. And ultimately, if people aren't for God, they'll try to take those things away. And a city is only changed when Christians set up the foundation of it. And Billy Graham said at the end of his life, if you could do one thing over, what would you do? He said, I wouldn't change the nation. I would sit in one city and I would change it from the inside out completely. Billy Graham wished he didn't go out and become the great evangelist. He wished he would have stayed in one city and radically altered it for God. But he said, that city would have done more for the country than I ever could have. And I want to be that church. But I can't be that church if six of us are showing up to evangelism. We have to wake up. Amen. We sing Furious. You're waking hearts to life. You're waking me. Let's wake up. Let's change the city. Because the world is so toxic to each other and because people, though people say, oh, people are generally loving, people are pretty unloving towards each other. Because of that, when someone is consistently loving to you, it stands out in your brain. And if you would be consistently loving, you'll stand out in people's minds. I only know what I know, and I only have a heart for people like I have a heart for people. A man named Leo Islis, whose son was in my wedding when I was on meth and when I was detoxing, Uh, He threw me over his shoulder and threw me in his house. He was a youth pastor in the city. And it wasn't like some like, oh, of course he did that. It was he was living with his mom. He was living with his his sister, his aunt, his son. And there were two other kids sleeping on the floor. It was a two-bedroom building with a kitchen and a living room. We were piled, and I was taking up the only bathroom, detoxing. He sacrificed so that I could be free. And then when I came out, he told me about Jesus, and I didn't believe him, and I didn't receive him for six more years, but it always stuck with me. And when I found Jesus, and I began to let people come in my house, people say, why would you do that? It's the only thing I knew. And a man named Tony Lopez began to disciple me. And people would come into the church and they would be on drugs and they would be torn up and they'd be ruined. I'm like I, mean, I, I don't know how to stop. And this kid's in college. He's working multiple jobs. He's starting up a business. He's doing everything he can do. He believes he's called to ministry. And he would take these people into his house and he would sleep in front of the door so they couldn't get out. So they had to detox. And he would sit there and I'd see him and he'd be tired and he'd be worn out. And I still hadn't found Jesus yet. And he was discipling me. And so when I found Jesus it's stuck with me when we see christians being abnormally christian like it'll stick with us and it'll change us too amen but we have to do it well i've never seen a christian like that and be the christian like that like i said many of you've been here for years let's do it we've stayed we've stood strong i think we've passed the test of community and really in here it seems like we've really passed the test of worship I don't think we've passed the test of evangelism, and I think it's time for us to open our eyes to that, because Jesus never said, if you're not in community, I don't know you. He never said, if you don't worship, I don't know you. He said, if you don't feed the poor, I don't know you. I'm not saying you can get away with not doing those things. What I'm saying is he seemed to draw an abnormal highlight on feeding those in need. Amen? Amen. And remember earlier when I told you I'd never have you do a praise break again? I lied. Let's do a praise break, and let's end this right. Amen? Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room right now, Father God. I pray that this moment would matter, Father God. This moment would be more than just a time, oh, I heard a convicting message. God, I pray that we would change, and we would grow, and we would pursue the things of you above all else, Lord. God, I pray for people that are hungry to change the city, Father God. I pray that we'd be sold out, Lord. To change your city that you've given us. And as you look out upon Vegas and say, who's going to take this city for me? Let us, the Vine Church, say, here I am. Send me, Lord. In Jesus' name I say, amen.